The following podcast is brought to you by Lady Norland's Cajun Cafe, RVA's favorite Cajun hideaway, in the fan at the corner of Maine and Stafford. Find out more at ladynorlands.com. Welcome to Rams Rewind, a podcast that looks back at all of the action from VCU men's basketball. After each game, our host George Templeton talks live on Facebook with Ram fans and gives his take on the team's performance. And now, here's George. So that is how it ends, not with a bang, but with a whimper. And it was a difficult that was a difficult game to watch, unfortunately. <laughs> That looked like the game a couple weeks weekends ago against Richmond. My goodness. Welcome to Rams Rewind, the final one of the in terms of the season for season 2021-2022. Sponsored by our good friends at Lady Nolans, who've been our good who've been our good friends all year, and we really like them, and we want you to go down there in the fan and patronize them and have some wonderful Cajun food. But what we also want is for this team to be coached better. For this team to understand how they need to play. Because it's hard to come up with any other explanation for what we saw today than they still don't get it. 32, 33, however many dead gum games it's been. And they still don't get it. And it's infuriating. 19 turnovers. 13 in a first half. Where offensively when they weren't turning it over they were really good. 50% in the first half, 5 of 11 from 3, 6 of 6 from the foul line. In just about any situation, VCU would have a lead and maybe even a healthy lead, if that were true. Of course, this was a day where their defense was not there. And some of that was transition defense, because off the turnovers they would score, wake, or they would get fast break points. Some of that was... You know, VCU just making having lapses on defense and not may, and, and not doing the things they were supposed to. And some of it was they were just hot in certain cases. And, of course, just like the game against Richmond, we had another one of these games where the referees blew the whistle on everything. And eventually, at least unlike the Richmond game, eventually we adjusted to it. But in some cases, the damage was done by then. We were minus down eight at halftime. We were minus six on the foul line at the first half. And you get to the second half, and Wake Forest has a long period without making a field goal. Let's see here. Let me uh, let me look at it because I mean, both teams had this issue. Uh, but both teams both teams went a while without making a field goal. Let's see here, Wake. Let's see. We got the scoring. We have made field goals and free throws. So Wake makes the – let's see here. They get the freaking uh, – they get the Walton dunk at 15-24. And then the next time they get a field goal is is the layup by Williams. So that was five minutes. I mean, that's the thing. They went they, – they went almost 10, 11 minutes in making two field goals. And, of course, one of them was on the fast break because VCU didn't get back after a turnover. But you have – this team, if they would just be composed, 
And it's the same things we've been talking about all season. Lacking composure, playing too fast. And that's and and if you want to know why we get mad at the why some of us get mad at the doggone coach, that's it. That is it right there. And I'm not seeing any comments, which either means that people are just watching and not commenting, or for some reason it's not showing up, which is annoying. Sorry about that. One second. But doggone it. You know how you need to play, or you should. And yet, this this keeps happening. And that's why, yes, you can blame the players and and for, for doing it. No question about it. But to me, it's not that. At some point, it's got to be the coach. Um, and it's just, you know, it's ridiculous. And yes, Bruce Stevenson, turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. But what does that come from? Being too quick, hurrying some of these passes. And Vince Williams started it. I mean, they had nine turnovers. At the point they had nine turnovers, he had five of them. And he ended up having a really good game. Ended up with, uh, let's see here, 27 points. But again, this is the other thing. He was he was doing other things and filling the stat sheet early. He had one steal and one block, and he had that steal real early. He had no assists. Again, I don't want Vince Williams getting 27 points and then having no assists, one block, one steal. I'd rather him have 17 or 18 and have the eight rebounds like he had tonight, but have three or four assists, two steals, and a block. That's the best version of Vince Williams, and we didn't see that tonight. And that was frustrating. And uh, and Ace Baldwin again, and and I thought it was going to be okay. You know, the first half was not good. He had one assist at the halftime. He was 0 for whatever it was. Then he comes out, bang, bang, two good passes to Ward. Ward gets two dunks. I'm like, all right, Vince is going to be all right in this half. And again, his decision-making was WTF. Ends up 0 for 7. And and he you could tell that he was definitely not believing in his shot because he was passing up good shots. And that was hard to understand. And then Ward, of course, after the two dunks, gets two fouls right away and, ha- and ends up having to sit. And that really kills us. Uh, yeah, and Jonathan Bartine, that is it. It, it. it is This year was a microcosm in a lot of ways. You know, the this team so often just wouldn't be patient. And and again, you can absolutely blame the players for that, and I certainly blame the players for that. But at some point, if it keeps happening, you have to blame the coach. And that's where I get furious. That that's where I get annoyed. And and as they, as people were saying in the game thread and the VCU good and the bad and the ugly group. Wake Forest comes down there in a game where the refs are calling every little thing if you drive and takes five bad three-point shots in a row, actually six, and VCU doesn't score any of those times in a stretch where they went eight minutes without a, eight and a half minutes without a basket. They had every opportunity, as many people in the game thread said, to win this game. Wake gave them every chance. They adjusted. They got to the foul line in the second half. And let's say this. 17 to 21 in the second half. So after losing in the first half, they were even with Wake Forest in the second half. Wake Forest was 17 to 23. VCU was 17 to 21. They had some key misses. You know, Vince missed the front end of a one and one. Ace went one for two, two times down the floor in a row. But in general, 
I ain't going to argue with 17 to 21 and a half ever. That's really good. You do that consistently, you're a really good foul shooting team. Oh, but let's let let's get the referee carping out of the way. Seriously, these referees that think they have to call a god dang foul every time. I I'm getting it's getting to be enough. It's getting to be enough. Let these freaking players play. Let the game flow. That's the other reason both teams had long stretches without field goals. Because the dad gun whistle's blowing every 10 seconds. So you can't any get, get any kind of a flow. Doug Hines, you might be right. You probably are right that this is this is the way Mike Rhodes' team's playing. It ain't changing. That very well could be. But he's got to, he's got to look at the end of these seasons. They lose three out of four to end this season. All of them, all of them huge games. All of them games that could have changed the trajectory. And you go back to the Bahamas and the opportunity they had there that they missed out on. Uh, yeah, Carlos Diaz, it was kind of similar to the Baylor-UNC game. The referees played way too much of a role in that game, too. It helped turn that game around for Baylor. Of course, Baylor couldn't do it in the end, and so there you go. And you and, and Doug, you might be right again. I mean, again, right now, I understand why that, that, that the AD wants to stick with him. He's getting talent in here, and there's supposed to be really good talent Coming in, and this year, now that I have a better handle on time constraints and what I need to do, I'm going to do my level best to get some stuff for this podcast, dealing with the new guys coming in and taking a look at them. But I'll tell you what, at some point, I'm wondering when being the nearly team is not going to cut it anymore. Because it's it's like somebody said right at the end, it's like this was another moral victory or whatever, or, or good effort, pat you on the head. Wake was there for the taking. They were there for the taking, and VCU wouldn't take them. Would not do it. And, you know, the rotations were not great. Sahonis plays two minutes. Kern plays. And I wanted to see Kern play, but he was awful in 14 minutes. And there was a couple of times where he did stuff that was so bad, it's like, you got to sit. You got to sit down right next to me. And that's the other thing. Brad, again, what I know Brown Jones is injured, but if he's but if he's if he's well enough to play, then why is he only playing seven stinking minutes when he's played as well as he played for you at a stretch of the season? I don't understand it. I don't understand it, and I know he took a bad three pointer, but you absolutely need, uh, you absolutely need him out there for rebounding, and I know. A lot of fouls were being called, so maybe you're worried about that. I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure the assistant coaches helped Doug. And again, there needs to be some change either there or there needs to be a change in philosophy because, again, offensively, this team rarely, if ever, looks like it's supposed to. John O'Neill, I think I got to disagree with you about turnovers were not an issue last year. There were plenty of games when we had this same complaint. Plenty of games we had this same complaint. The issue, the thing was, some of it was covered up by Bones Highland last year. And and that's one of those things that helped us, is that Bones Highland could have a could have a white hot streak for eight or nine minutes. 
and sometimes get us out of the soup. But we had turnover issues last year too. Believe me, we did. Yeah, Coach Roach's game management skills are not good. He was a little better with the timeouts today, although, again, in the first half, he waited until it was too late to call one. And, and again, some of the rotations. I know I wanted to see Kern and Banks more, but Kern today, there were two or three plays where it was like, all right, that's enough. You got to sit down. And and it's just frustrating. It's It's really, really frustrating. Because quite frankly, this season shouldn't be over today. Really, we ought to have been we ought to have been in the tournament, but we weren't. And we could have still been in today, maybe. But here we are, it's over in Wake Forest, North Carolina, or or Winston Salem. Uh yeah, Jonathan Barty and Will Wade would be right about that, about the fool gold fool's gold wins when we won when we didn't play well. But again, a lot of teams have those. And then they learn from them. And it felt, felt, feels like we didn't learn from them. And I think that's where I get frustrated. Now, for some reason, comments are turning up on my phone. I don't know what's going on. <sighs> yeah, Bruce, they did want it in some respects. But, I, but, I, but I'll be honest with you. Part of the reason that is, is that for whatever reason, they didn't worry about having fouls called on them and VCU did. Now I understand why VCU did, but that's that's I think that's part of it. And Doug, again, this is go what you say is mostly correct and it goes back to coaching. You know, at times they just their basketball IQs just seems like it's not there. And and this play through it mentality again when you got certain when you got a veteran team yes and when you've got somebody that's a walking bucket yes you got a bones highland but you can't always do that and i think they left this i think they finished this game with a timeout in a pocket or two and that just doesn't that just that really doesn't cut it for me really doesn't cut it for me ace is a floor general carlos Good question. Carlos Diaz says, is Ace a floor general or a scorer? He can't be both. I think he needs to concentrate on being the floor general. He is a floor general, Carlos, but he has shown the ability to score a little. I don't think he's a combo. I think he is a floor general. I think the problem was is that he kind of is that just he didn't start the game well. And I think he just I don't know if it was a lack of decisiveness. I don't know if there's some kind of injury we don't know about. But earlier in the year, he would make a decision and he would be decisive. And sometimes it would be wrong, but he would be fully committed to it. Like, I'll give you a perfect example. In the second half, he's driving, and I think he wants to go to Brown Jones, and he jumps up to pass it to him, and he changes his mind and ends up throwing this line drive thing off the rim. And I just and I just feel like that you know that's something that's happened a lot in the last few games is that he he for whatever reason either I don't know if it's doubt or he changes his mind or whatever it is but that decisiveness is not there and he needs to be decisive and he needs to be a floor general I've said it people are going to get on him because he did was over over seven from the field and he didn't make any points he had games last year as a freshman where he only scored two or four points and dominated the game because he was in that kind of control. 
He was he was conducting the orchestra and leading a sweet band. It was fantastic. And it, and I'll tell you, it, we haven't seen it this year, and I don't understand it because I know he worked on a shot. Uh. With, with after well, after his Achilles heel injury, but it's like that injury. He doesn't seem to have that ability or the kind of ability that he has had in the past. Excuse me, to really control the game without scoring. <sighs> Dan Gaitanis has an interesting comment, and I and I really can't disagree with it. Weird. We finished twenty three and ten, but it feels like we were much more mediocre than that. The team left a lot. On the table this season, we could have beaten Baylor, we should have beaten UConn, and we definitely should have beat, should not have lost to Richmond. It was a coin toss every time they went out there, which team shows up. I, I find myself agreeing with most of that. I find myself agreeing with most of that. I don't know if, I don't know if it's fair to say that we were that mediocre because, again, it's hard to – unless you're playing nobodies early in the season, it's hard to win 11 out of 12 in any stretch. They won 11 out of 12 in conference play. That's really tough. And they went 14-4 and four in conference play, and they were a whisker away from 15-3 and because of the Dayton game. What I think is fair to say and what kind of affects everything is, usually when they lost, you know, they had some big losses in there. They got blown out at St. Bonaventure. They got blown out at home to Dayton, and I think that changed it. And it's just the nature of the way they lost to St. Louis and Richmond that colors this a lot. And I and Carlos Diaz, you're right about that. I agree with you. If we have Ace, they would have beat UConn, Chattanooga, and Wagner, no question. But Ace, Ace has got to look at himself and look at these last four games, where except for Princeton, he didn't play well. And I think he's got to have he's got to have that conversation in his mind that you have. Am I a scorer or a floor general? And he's got to decide to be a floor general because to me, that's when he's at, at his best. If he's got two points with ten assists, I'm telling you, we're going to win anyway. We had the we we have the firepower to do that, even without Bones Highland and Jameer Watkins. And that and let's remember this too. All things being equal, and of course, this is we know the transfer portal and whatever else. We've got two very talented recruits coming in. We're going to get Jameer Watkins back. I think that's. Very important. We may lose Vince Williams and Curry, but I think we still we still have Sahonis and we got Jaden Nunn. And I'll tell you something. You know, Jaden Nunn had the game that was the opposite of the Princeton game. He took 11 shots tonight. Ten of them were threes. He made six of them. Most of them were in rhythm in the context of the offense. Again, I worry about Jaden Nunn's shot selection. By and large, it was still very good. You know, there was a couple of threes he jacked up and they went in, you know, a couple different times. But in general, I think I, I think that was all right. Um, and we did have – and, Doug, that's absolutely right. We did have a chance to change the dynamic of the season. Again, you know, win that last game against St. Louis and you're the number one seed and you're not even playing Richmond in round one of the, of the tournament. And who knows what happens then. So, look, there – there is reason to be optimistic for next year. There is reason to be optimistic for next year. But I feel like the coach has got to look at himself and he's got to look at his philosophies and really sit down and say, look at those last three out of those last four games you lost and ask yourself, 
2019, we went bang, bang, out of two tournaments, gone. This year, you know, you go bang out of the tournament in game one, and then you get beat. You know, you win one game and get beat on the road. I've got one postseason win away from the Siegel Center since I've been here, and it's been five years. He's got to look at himself. He's got to look at that staff. He's got to look at the lack of development for Hassan Ward in particular and say, maybe I need to change. But some of the players, and, and in particular Ace, have got to look at themselves and say, you know, what, what's my identity and, can I st- and, and I need to stick to that. I need to stick to that. Um, and that, to me, that's the focus. And then, of course, let's get Watkins back in. Let's get Watkins back, you know, rehab hopefully done and hopefully he's healthy. And then, we, and then you know, we work him back in over the, you know, over the spring and the summer and all that. And when we get to October of next year, October this year, he's ready to rock and roll. McAllister, same thing. Again, I, it's weird because look, when they had all, when I I didn't think Ace was going to play at all this year. So that, you know, Ace being a second team, all conference and being arguably a first team, all defensive player, even though he didn't get that. You know, Ace was magnificent for most of this year. And again, when you don't expect those contributions and he gives them to you, you're like, wow. I thought Ace wasn't going to play this year. And Watkins and McAllister went down two weeks before the season within days of each other. So I'll be perfectly honest. I, I, I didn't know what my expectations were. I would have been happy if we were good enough to finish in the top four of the conference and had a, and had a good go at going at, at, at the A-10 tournament because I, I didn't feel like we were going to be in the at-large picture. Turns out we had the season we had, and we had the opportunity to get some really great things done, and it didn't happen. And that's, that is the frustration. That's where I'm – that's where it's, it's hard to take. But if we take the look at the whole picture, I think the whole picture is quite a bit better. It is quite a bit better. And look, we got our issues with Ward, but you got to say this. I give Deloach a passing grade for this year. I thought he got better as the season went on. You know, defensively, not what we was not very good at the start. I thought he got a lot better there, and I think he started to show an offensive game. Uh, none gets a pass from gets a passing grade for me. Had a tough stretch in the middle of the season, but clearly is clearly a two-guard, did better than I thought as a point guard at the start of the year, is a good defensive player. I, I'm, I'm all right with him on that. I'm all right with him on that. Yet, I know about Deloach's foul shooting. He's got to work on it. Made one out of two today. I'm going to make a prediction. I think Deloach is going to be right near 60% next year because Deloach strikes me as the kind of person – that works on stuff and wants to get better at things that he's not good at. So maybe I'm wrong about that. That's what I, and remember something too. And they mentioned this on the TV and it's absolutely right. Ace didn't have a real off season last year because he spent most of it rehabbing. Deloach, it's his first year. Deloach gets a full off season, weight room, training program, all the other stuff. Ace is going to have a real off season for the first time. You know, so that, those things are gigantic for us. And so those players both could take a quantum leap forward. And look, as good as Ace is already, 
let's say he takes the kind of leap forward Vince took last year. Because Vince went from a decent player to an all-league player last year and then made it to first team this year. Suppose Ace takes that kind of leap next year. Let me tell you something. If that's what happens, Ace will be player of the year next year in the conference. Or he could be. Uh, if I had to pick one right now, I'd say that dead gum Holmes from Dayton will be the player of the year next year. But, you know, what I'm saying, I mean, that's the kind. That's how good Ace Baldwin could be. I just want Ace to, to look at the end of the season and say, I'm a floor general first and a scorer second, and I, maybe I need to work on that stuff. Look at, you know, some of the plays I made. Because I'll, I'll say this for him. You know, he had four turnovers tonight, and some of them were – because he's such a good passer, he was trying, he was putting a little too much mustard on the hot dog, as the old saying goes. And that's the issue. Let me see what here. Chris MJ. We need offense. We don't seem to run set plays that work to the strengths of our players. Chris MJ, that's it. And the thing is, it's not as if we need more talented offensive players, because I think we have plenty. Although we're going to have some coming in in these recruits that I think we're going to get. What we need is a coherent plan on offense because there isn't one. There is not one much that I can tell because what does Coach Rhodes always say? Well, the ball's got to stay hot and we got to keep moving, which is true. That is true. But to me, you need you do need some set plays. You need some kind of plays that, that you run and that's your go-to and you're going to score off of it most of the time. And with somebody like Ace, who is as gifted a passer as he is, you can run that stuff, but they don't have a coherent plan on offense. Uh, John O'Neill asked, did Curry have the most turnovers this season? I can't imagine so, even though he had some really bad games with it. He only had one turnover tonight. And and Jonathan Barty, that's it too. We seem to forget about the extra pass on offense. And you know what's funny? The first basket of the game, I was excited because that was exactly what it was. Two pass, it was it was a good set. They moved around. The ball kept moving. People kept moving. Made the extra pass. Vince in the corner, bang. And I thought, all right, we're off and running. I thought we were off and running. And that first segment of the game was really good. And honest to goodness, that was the best segment of the game because after that, we just got totally sideways on offense. <sighs> Doug, yes, the coach needs to tell him that. But the coach is not like that. And players are not like that in this day and age. Unfortunately, even in college basketball, it is hard unless you're Calipari or or the guy or Jay Wright or Mark Few or somebody like that to tell a player, I want you to be this. Especially with the transfer portal being the way it is. That's that transfer portal. And it's the right thing, by the way. I, I mean, let me. I want to be very clear about this. That is the right thing because we've had coaches leave schools anytime they want to, forever and ever. Not allowing players to do that has been ridiculous. So, Doug, you're right. But in the age of the transfer portal, that power dynamic has shifted. So, yes, I think Rhodes can suggest it, but telling him is a different thing. And I mean. I, if I was Ace, I would just say, look at the film last year and look at the film this year and, and, and ask yourself which was better. Because in my opinion, last year 
there were so many games where Ace would score two, four, six points, would not get double digits, would make one field goal, and it was it, it didn't matter because he literally had the ball on string and he was just you here. And we saw, and there were games where we saw it this year. I talked about him. There were games, especially in the conference in the conference season, where he was just like it was like he was manipulating the chess pieces on the board and. You're going to go here. I'm going to make you go here. And when you go here, I'm going to throw it there. He's got that capability. And to me, that's his best self. And yes, and I, I understand what you're saying, Doug. But that's his best self. Baldwin's best self is floor general con- conducting the orchestra. And it, again, we could have lived with four points and 0-7 from the field if he had 10 assists and four turnovers instead of four assists and four turnovers. And, and as is often the case, when VCU has more turnovers than assists, it doesn't go well. It was a thumbs down for those of you in podcast land. They have 11 assists and 19 turnovers. And that's even with only six in the second half, which is good. Six and a half is not bad. Only four assists. And that's the problem. That's the problem. Okay, so now that I have a better grip on on, on what kind of time situation I have and these kinds of things. I am going to do my level best to do some pods during the offseason, revolving around the new players coming in, revolving around the transfer portal to see who's going in and who's going out and talking about that. And, of course, when we get the non-conference schedule and we already know about the tournament that we're going to play where Michigan's in it, when we get the full, when we get the full schedule, there will be pods for that as well. And so that's that's the plan. Uh, I will be huddling with my producer on that. And unlike last year where I, I, I wanted to do that and, and time was just not there for me because work was really busy and insane and I just couldn't get to these things the way I wanted to do, this year I'm going to do my level best to be more, more organized and get you that stuff. Because I definitely, I definitely would have enjoyed talking about these new guys that came in this year, especially the way things worked out with some of them. And I will certainly want to talk about these new guys coming in because we've heard the excitement. I've seen the excitement in our fan groups. I'm sure those of you in podcast land that know about it have seen it. We've got some players coming in that are really talented. It's just a question of using them correctly, moving the chess pieces around the board, and that is a deficiency for Mike Rhodes right now. And he's got to look at himself and look at how – He's handled games and realized that it's got to get better than this. Because it's it's you can't blame him for what happened last year. You know, the COVID screwed us all and all that other stuff. But 2019, what happened there? It, it was just, it was no good. It, it was no good at all. You know, the game in Dayton in the championship game where VCU buried themselves because they got totally out of control and let the circumstances mess them up against St. Bonaventure. And it's like we can't keep having these unsatisfying ends to good seasons or even great seasons. We can't keep doing that. We've got to be better than that. And it's and it's tough because one of the things we've been talking about in the group is look at the te- look at the teams we played in non-conference and look how well some of them played. You know, St. Peter's beat Kentucky for goodness sake. Jacksonville State. Gave Auburn all they could handle. Chattanooga should have beat Illinois, 
the refs absolutely boned them over in that game, and they did themselves by unfortunately not rebounding a missed free throw. You know, VCU was in position, you know, playing a, having played a great non-conference schedule. And again, Jimmy Martelli, kudos to you on that. And it just feels like a waste that we sit, we're sitting here talking about an, a loss in the last in the second round of the NIT when it when this season really offered up a lot more than that. All right, so that's it. I want to thank everybody for commenting. All of you in the post in this post game video, thank you very much, and I've appreciated the comments all year. I've very much appreciated it. Uh, everybody in the good and the bad and the ugly group during the during the game threads, they were a blast all season. Hopefully, you know, we'll 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 have a reason during the spring to to keep talking because you know last year we had the baseball team who did really well. You know, hopefully they do really well again, and they'll they'll keep us interested. As as we wait for the for the months to go by and get uh, get us get us to October, which of course I think I, I'll I'll speak for me on this, but I think I speak for quite a number of the people in our group. October can't come soon enough. <laughs> That's just the way it is. October can't come soon enough uh, with 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 the opportunity you know with with next season because we're always so excited when VCU gets to take the floor because it's the talent they have. Uh, so thank you all for that. I want to thank everybody in podcast land that listened all year. I really appreciate it. Lady Nolans, thank you for, for sponsoring us uh, this year. We really appreciate you as well. And again, patronize them. Go down there and eat their food and tell them that George Templeton and Rams Rewind sent you. So that's it. Thank you all very much. I don't know when the next time will be, but until next time, uh, we'll talk to you then. Have a have a have a good have a good spring. Enjoy the rest of the tournament. Go Randolph-Macon in the Division Three final, which I'm watching now. And have a good summer, and we'll see you all uh, when we see you. To submit a question for George to answer in an upcoming episode or to inquire about sponsorship opportunities for this podcast, please email ramsrewind at gmail.com. To participate in the post-game Facebook Live with George, join the Facebook group VCU Basketball Fans, The Good, The Bad, The Ugly. We'll be back after the next game, and thanks for listening to this episode of Rams Rewind.